Trey, you uh, you said in week zero, all football is good football. And we're certainly putting that to the test here in week three. We've still got a full breakdown for you, though. All the games, all the lines, all the action right here on the three technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello. 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. They give it to Rogers. They give it back down to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go in the field. Four-man Alabama rush. Got him. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. Uh, guys, week two delivered. It was a scheduling delight. You had fantastic matchups from morning till night. Uh, this this week, maybe, maybe the exception, uh, certainly not what week two was, not what week four is going to be. I mean, you talk about ranked matchups galore in week four, but still, there's a lot to dig into here. Some very intriguing matchups, despite missing those little numbers next to the team names uh, that we're excited to get into. And uh, Trey, I think this is this is almost like a landmine Saturday, right? This feels like a week that you could have a lot of ranked teams or teams that are fresh off a loss come into the week assuming one thing and leave really, really applying that ice pack if they're not if they're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's always the quiet ones. Every time we look at the slate and say, ah, this looks like a down week, maybe not one to pay attention to, two or three just extremely crazy things end up happening. So I'm looking forward to see what college football has in store for us this week. Even if it doesn't look good on the surface, there's always a couple crazy things. And in addition to what you said, Mitch, we've also got a ton of big time matchups next week. So some of these teams are going to be looking ahead, peeking ahead a little bit and overlooking some very worthy opponents this week. I think it's really we get to this point every year, right? Where we, we learn a couple of lessons in week one and week two, and we tell ourselves, okay, don't overreact. There's nothing to extrapolate to the end of the season. But then it's like, by the time we get to week three, we just assume that teams stop growing, stop changing, that we've reached that final form. That is very much not the case. And Garrett is, as we look ahead to some of these matchups, like a Kansas state Mizzou, like we'll lead off with, there's a lot that we still don't know about these teams. Like, could Missouri put it all together and upset a Kansas State team that's looked really good? What are you looking forward to the most as you look down this slate of this slate of games? Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing who kind of rises to the top out of this. It seems like, you know, every single year that we, we say the same thing, right? You can't win a championship in September, but you can lose it, right? You can lose your chance at a championship. You can pick up that big, ugly loss. You can, you know, eliminate yourself from contention from the playoff early. There's, you know, at least one, if not a couple more teams that could really do themselves some damage this week. Looking at, you know, someone like an LSU traveling to Starkville, that could be a trap spot. They could eliminate themselves from the playoff in week three, you know, if, if they don't pick up this win against Mississippi State. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're keeping your focus. You have to make sure you can't overlook anybody. And I think that when you get these sleepy weeks, that's when you start to see some of that magic start to come true. And, you know, I'm looking at a lot of these games up and down the list and, and pretty excited to talk about where those upset spots could be. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a number of them, of course, uh, that we're going to get to here in just a few minutes. But, of course, before we get there, if you're a new subscriber on YouTube or over on the podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. We post twice a week. Sunday mornings are our recaps. Thursday mornings are our previews. You also might have found us from the Ledger. That's our betting segment over on YouTube exclusively. So no matter how you found us, welcome. We're glad to have you. Head on over to Instagram, Twitter, at 3TechPod. You can follow us for more updates and all the college football coverage there. Of course, guys, we do that in collaboration with the Transfer Portal CFB. Uh, they are kind of the mothership for uh, our college football coverage. We write a weekly 
headlines and review article for them. And of course, they've got you covered. It's powered by No Context College Football, football memes, information, uh, a lot of research goes down every single week. They have a great podcast as well. So head on over, check out their work. Garrett, you can run the banner. Of course, we are also brought to you by our friends over at homefieldapparel.com. They have some tremendous, tremendous clothing options that they are working on over there. Homefield is your preeminent source for uh, college football apparel or just any apparel, honestly. If you're a college sports fan, head on over to uh, homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, the best-looking gear. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Garrett's got a bunch of uh, their shirts off in the background. I'm actually wearing one under this pullover. Shout out Oregon State. Uh, but the best part of it all, at 3TechPod, uh, is, is our handle, 3TechPod, gets you 15% off your first order. You can also find a code, and a, a link, I should say, with a code on our Twitter account. You can buy directly through that link and get 15% off if you've already done so. So once again, homefieldapparel.com, head on over, check them out. And uh, fellas, with that being said, let's get into our big three. Now, we took a, a bit of a different approach this week, right? Normally, there are three games that really just jump off the schedule at you. Um, next week, we're going to have to debate heartily over which three games get that coveted spot. But this week, we went more with kind of a, a fluid approach, right? We all kind of looked at the schedule, had our input, weighed in. And, you know, kind of voted on which of these games would be included. And the first game that came to mind for me, I don't think it's going to come to mind for a lot of people, is number 15, Kansas State at Missouri. An 11 a.m. kick on the SEC network. And guys, I'm so intrigued by this game for a couple of reasons. I think Kansas State's offense is legit. They've been running over their opponents these first couple of weeks. But I'm not convinced that Missouri does anything particularly well, whether it's offense or defense. I don't know that they play one side of the ball at an above average level. And yet this line is only Kansas State minus five. You look at the offensive weapons that we're going to see on display, and it's RJ Garcia, Phillip Brooks for um, for Kansas State. Of course, we've talked about DJ Giddens. He's the leading running back for the Wildcats. Will Howard is a gunslinger, one of the most unsung quarterbacks in all of college football. On the other side, it's the Luther Burden story, right? What is Luther going to do this week? Last week, he had a, a tremendous catch that helped Missouri squeak out that win over the Blue Red, uh, Raiders of Middle Tennessee State. In this game, the line smells weird to me, but there's nothing that... I trust Missouri to do other than play really good defense. Even if they do, even if they limit Kansas state on the offensive side of the ball, what have we seen from Brady cook? What have we seen from the Missouri offense that didn't even beat the blue Raiders in convincing fashion last week to make me feel like the home team can compete. The home team can win here. I'm curious to have your input on this game and Trey will start with you. I'm on Kansas State minus the number here. I just can't find a reason to go with the Tigers. I am as well, and I get that this is a rivalry game. I get that this is, you know, Missouri's big home out-of-conference game as Gary pulls our prediction graphic up there. This was a seven-point line last year with Adrian Martinez at the quarterback for Kansas State, and Kansas State won this game 40-12 to in Manhattan. So, if you're telling me that I get fewer points, I know it's on the road. I know it's in Como, and Como is going to be rocking for this rivalry game. But Kansas State has a better quarterback. I know they lost Deuce Vaughn. They have a lot of playmakers on offense. And I think their defense maybe even be a little bit better this year than it was last year. They have to cover fewer points against a Missouri team that I think is kind of more or less the same as what they were a year ago. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas State all day, every day in this game. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I don't think it's going to necessarily be 40 to 12 like it was last year. I think Missouri maybe has a better ability of putting the ball in the hands of their playmakers a little bit more this year. It certainly seems that way a little bit more on the early goings, but unless Missouri's just been holding something back for this game, what have we seen so far to have give us confidence that Missouri can keep this one close? I, I really haven't seen anything. I know our friend Dan Keegan loves his Missouri Tigers. I know that he's probably fuming hearing this take, but I just haven't seen it from Mizzou yet. Maybe they show it for the first time this week, but the safer bet to me right now is Kansas State. Yeah, I don't think that 
Kansas State has that same level of playmaker as a Luther Burden, right? I think Luther Burden clearly is going to be the best playmaker on the field, but Kansas State beats Missouri pretty much everywhere across the board outside of that, at least in my estimation. I think that they're going to be a lot better at the quarterback position. Obviously, we've talked about DJ Giddens plenty on this podcast. Big fan of what he does in his 6.7 per carry so far this season. And again, I just think it's going to be about you know, the, the better team winning out, the minus five, it, it does feel like one of those what does Vegas know situations. But at the same time, I'm, I'm going to lean into what I think I know, and I'm going to pick Kansas State to win this game by a lot more than five. Uh, Missouri has not exactly exploded offensively. Against South Dakota, they won 35-10. to 10. Last week against the Blue Raiders, they won 23-19. The Tigers are averaging just 215 yards through the air per game. So Brady Cook has struggled. The offense has not moved with any sort of efficiency. Their defense is a top, I think they're right on the top 30 in total defense. So I really like what they're doing on that side of the ball. But without an elite offense that I believe can keep up with Kansas State, this is one of the more, in a week where there are a lot of big numbers, and there are a lot of lines that make you want to not take them at all, right? Just pass instead of sit on the fence and, and maybe fall off on the wrong side. This was one of the, the more confident picks uh, I, I think that I had. So I'm, I'm curious, can Kansas State back it up? They, they certainly have had the gauntlet throw down by Texas, right, in the Big 12. Kansas State has to come prepared each and every week if they're going to compete in the Big 12 Conference, if they're going to make statements that, hey, we can compete with the likes of Texas, Oklahoma as well. For me, this is one of those games. Uh, let's go to Stark Vegas. And Trey, you said that Stark Vegas, especially at 11 a.m., is where teams go to die. This is an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN. The 14th-ranked LSU Tigers are 10-point favorites down in Cowbell Nation. Tell me why uh, LSU should be concerned, if not on upset alert, for this game. Yeah, I I don't have any statistic. I don't have any numbers. I don't have any data to back up my take. But just doesn't it feel like at least once or twice a year we get an 11 a.m. kick in Starkville, Mississippi. The road team, maybe the higher-ranked team, is just not awake yet, and the Cowbells are clanging, and Mississippi State comes out hot and firing, and Maybe doesn't pull the upset, but definitely makes things interesting. It just feels like that happens once or twice every year. Feels like it's happened to LSU before, too. And so, you know, after what we saw from LSU in the second half of that Florida State game, I know that they blew out, I think it was Grambling last uh, last week. And um, I know that they exercised a lot of demons, hopefully, on the offensive side of the ball. But after what we saw in the second half of that Florida State game, there's just a ton of question marks for LSU for me. We saw it all offseason with what Brian Kelly was saying. We saw that he was not confident. We were uh, concerned that he wasn't going to use his best playmaker on the defensive side of the ball, and we, that came to fruition uh, with Harold Perkins not rushing the passer and trying to play more of a coverage linebacker against Florida State. We saw how that worked out for him. I don't know. Mississippi State still isn't their complete best version of themselves on the offensive side of the ball yet. They're still trying to break in that new scheme, moving away from the air raid to more of a nuanced uh, scheme, more balanced scheme. But I just think that they are able to keep it close at home. Call me, you know, whatever you want. This feels like one of those games on a sleepy week that we're looking up in the fourth quarter and saying, oh, LSU is in deep trouble, right? Garrett, you said it off the top that this is one that you could be looking at your screen on an otherwise sleepy Saturday and say, oh, LSU might be eliminating themselves from playoff contention right now in Starkville, Mississippi. So I've, I think Mississippi State, especially at home, is going to play this one tough. This is a big, big rivalry game for them. Definitely means more to Mississippi State than it does to LSU. LSU has bigger aspirations than beating Mississippi State. But Mississippi State really wants to beat LSU. So I think they keep it within 10. LSU might sneak it out late, but Mississippi State, I think, is definitely keeping it within 10 points in this one. Yeah, I think you got a point about it, you know, being a a sleepy game and maybe Mississippi State sneaking them up on them. But and look, I love Will Rogers as much as the next guy. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I think he's going to have a great pro career. I think he's a great quarterback. But. The only difference I'm going to take on that is I think LSU has to be keyed in, and they're going to be. I think realizing that after their week one loss, 
which is not particularly convincing, right? It's not like you can, you know, lose another game but say, oh, but we played the Seminoles close. You, you got smoked, right? <laughs> you, you got blown out the water. They got to kind of lick their wounds a little bit. And they have to be basically perfect the rest of the way if they want a chance at a playoff, right? They can go win their conference with, you know, a one loss in the SEC West division, but uh, two losses ain't going to get you in, not this year especially, right? There's there's so many good teams across this country, and I think we're expecting a lot of big things across the board from people. So I think LSU has to be keyed in, and I think they have to start strong, and I think that they will. Looking at, you know, kind of Jaden Daniels, I went and pulled up his game logs. Terrible game against Florida State with 59% completions. He did have the over 300 yards, but the touchdown, the interception, just wasn't effective enough uh, to really keep that team in the game. Bounces back, obviously, Grambling State, but 75% completions, 269, five touchdowns, only missed six throws in that game. Uh, I, I'm pretty pleased with the bounce back. I think he's going to get back on track. I think you're going to see another strong performance from Jane Daniels, and I think that we're going to go ahead and watch LSU kind of roll this one out. I do think it'll be close for about a half. I think for about a half it'll be competitive, and then LSU goes in the locker room, makes their adjustments, and then takes care of business against the Bulldogs. I'm – I'm somewhere in the middle of both of those takes because I'm going to take the Tigers minus the number here. I went back over the last you know, 12, 13 years, and Trey, initially I was kind of on that bandwagon too, right? That, oh, well, how does LSU play, especially on the road in the morning? Historically, Sark Vegas has not necessarily been a place where they've tripped up, even where they've played remarkably close games. Now, of course, there are going to be those one and two point wins sprinkled into any series. But I, I do find myself thinking, okay, LSU does need to show up ready to win this game, right? Um, they they absolutely do need to come out and, and, and fire from the word go. I do think this is going to be a close game late, but I think it's of the seven point nature with an LSU touchdown at the end you know, taking them over that number. So I'm not saying that LSU blows Mississippi State out of the water, but I do think they are the much better team. Uh, they have the better athletes. If it's historically not a weird place for them to play in the morning, um, you know, obviously each team is different, but maybe that Starkville mag uh, magic doesn't, doesn't necessarily apply at 11 a.m. to the LSU Tigers. So I'm going to go with the better team. It is a it's a big number. This is another one of those lines that I referenced earlier where it's like, eh, I'd rather just not bet this game um, <laughs> than, than fall off on the wrong side. But, uh, you know, give me give me LSU minus minus the 10. I think Mississippi State's just working in working in too many new elements right to the offense. They're they're obviously a defensive first team. They were blowing Arizona out early and then they let the Wildcats back into that game. So the defense isn't even as uptight. I think at home is what we've become accustomed to. Uh, give me the Tigers and the better athletes uh, here. on. Yeah. This. And to clarify real quick, maybe not necessarily for LSU. It's a, it's a tricky place to play, but just in general, right? Yes. Like top teams yes. come in there and sometimes really struggle. But LSU, to your point, has fared really well there over the years. Other than all the games that they had to give back because of the NCAA rule. That was, <laughs> was that was one of, one of the most bizarre trips down memory lane all these lsu teams that are zero and three in their <laughs> official records and just the message over and over again revoked due to a 2003 or 2023 ncaa decision over and over and over again uh, and it was only 28 to 25 the last time they went to starkville in 2021 so true. that's true it was a, there are some close games there I, I can hear mississippi state fans yelling through the radio remember the game that we blew them Dang out it. in 2020 right um I hear you. I hear you. They, they sure. were garbage in 2020, though. LSU was terrible. They they <laughs> well, they might be garbage this year. We'll see. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the final of our big three. South Carolina going on the road between the hedges to play number one, Georgia. The Bulldogs are 27 and a half point favorites. 2.30 p.m. game on CBS. I think you look at this initially and go, guys, why on earth? Is this one of the featured games of the week? Trey, I'm again going to turn to you here uh, because you pointed out in pre-show prep, Spencer Rattler has not been an issue. He's not been a red flag for this South Carolina team. You feel like that number is kind of egregiously large. 
I do. I, I think it's disrespectful to how Spencer Rattler has played this season. Now, I know I can already hear the people saying that Spencer Rattler is, you know, not not a great quarterback. And I definitely agree with that over his career as a whole. But if you haven't been paying attention the last two weeks, the guy's completed 83.3% of his passes against North Carolina and Furman. And I know that North Carolina is not known for their defensive prowess, especially against the passing game. And Furman is an FCS team. But if you just think about what that would have been last year, it's probably closer, even against those two teams, to the 50% range than it is to the 80 to 85% range. So the guy was the SEC player of the week last week for a reason. He only missed on two passes last week against FCS Furman. And I think that the offense is going to be ready to go. I think that they're going to have Shane Beamer and the boys are going to have a really good game plan in this one. Um, I'm pulling up the Winsipedia right now, but it. South Carolina has been a bugaboo for Georgia in the past, right? They've been on cruise control. I'm thinking, I think it was 2019 when they go into Athens, I believe, and knock off the uh, Bulldogs. And that's definitely one that Georgia always remembers. I think they're going to keep it close this week. I think Georgia wins this one handily in the end. I don't think that they're going to really necessarily, we're going to look back at this one and they've struggled, but I do think that they'll keep it relatively close. And listen, I know, Georgia won this one 48 to seven last year in Columbia, but different set of players, different scheme, different, you know, quarterback for the Bulldogs in this one. I think South Carolina keeps it closer than the 27 and a half. If you're looking for a reason for why we're highlighting this game when it's a four touchdown spread, this is really the only time we get to see a possible upset game of Georgia. And I say that term loosely, 28 point spread. I know we're not really putting them on upset watch, but the next time that Georgia plays a home game of this caliber, I think we're looking all the way at November 11th when Ole Miss comes to town. So it's going to be a long time before we're seriously considering the dogs, even possibly on upset watch this week. I don't think they are this week, but this is going to be, I think a game, I think that's closer than what many people are expecting. Garrett, the, the conventional wisdom and a point that I'm getting ready to make is Play in the trenches for South Carolina has been really concerning. If Spencer Rattler is able to stay upright and avoid turnovers, I think it actually is feasible to say that South Carolina could put the dogs on upset watches. It's not like Georgia has blown everyone away on offense the first couple of weeks. Yeah, well, and, and that's kind of the big point as to why I am taking them plus the 27 and a half. Um, at, at the end of the day, I don't think that Georgia has proved they're an elite offense. I still think they're missing something at wide receiver um, to really help out Carson Beck. He, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't had a bad season so far. Just hasn't really been impressive yet. Um, he's completed a high percentage of his passes. I'll pull up his stats again one more time real quick. Um, yeah, high percentage of his passes, 72% for 577, three touchdowns and interception. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's against some poor, poor competition. And you know, the, the yards per attempt may be slightly lacking in that department at just over nine, but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not convinced on Georgia's offense quite yet. And yeah, South Carolina, they can't do anything on the line of scrimmage. They're, they're piss poor on line of scrimmage. They ran the ball for like three yards all year. It's, it's just really bad. Um, and a lot of that came out of the like 700 sacks that Spencer Rattler took as well. So that's not going to help your cause. But I do think that Spencer Rattler has done enough so far to show that even when the rest of the offense isn't working, things are going to go just fine and they can find a way to to overcome that. So um, I, I'm looking forward to to watching this one. I think Xavier Leggett has a really good game in this one, um, kind of shows out a little bit on the big stage. And I don't think they win. I don't think they really compete with Georgia, but I think they cover the 27 and a half. It is interesting. I, I dove into the numbers and we've got, I, I believe last I checked, 55% of the money coming in on Georgia to cover what is a large spread. South Carolina is only 5-10 and 10 against the spread in their last 15 games. Um, now, I, I'm certainly not the, the betting expert that's going to be able to tell you why that is, but I do think it's an interesting trend that builds to kind of my gut reaction for this game. Georgia's due for a net crack. They they have not really had it. They've started slow on offense in, in both of these first two games. Carson Beck's completing 72% of his passes. That's not necessarily the issue. The running game has really struggled for Georgia. But, Garrett, as I led into this point with, 
South Carolina in the trenches is abysmal. And I think it's going to be a long game for Spencer Rattler. I think he's going to be running for his life on offense. I think the defense is really going to struggle to stop anything that Georgia throws against them. You know, kind of elite playmakers are not aside. Georgia is a very physical football team. And credit to North Carolina, they upped their physicality this offseason, right? They showed up to Charlotte with a new and improved edge. Georgia's that on an exponential scale. And so for me, I know it's a high number, but at home, the Bulldogs are going to be ready. Trey, you mentioned it. Their home schedule sucks. Mm -hmm. Folks are going to be ready to see some actual competition against an SEC team. I think they're going to ruin the Gamecocks day. I'm I'm taking Georgia minus the number. I may look back and laugh at myself for taking a four touchdown spread, but I also won't be just shocked if Georgia, you know, wins this one 42 to 10 uh, going away. Those are our big three games, but this week there are really kind of interesting games all over the place. And so the delineation kind of stops there. We've got a bunch of other games that we want to break down, starting with number 11, Tennessee, on the road at Florida, 6 p.m. in the swamp. The Gator fans are going to be ravenous to upset Tennessee. Guys, Tennessee has not won back-to-back games against Florida since 2003 and 2004. 2003 is also the last time that the Volunteers won in the swamp. If you talk to volunteer fans, they are extremely nervous about this game, even though on the periphery, Florida is not that good of a team, or at least they don't appear to be. Tennessee's offense, while it has started sluggishly, should have the firepower to more than outrace a Florida Gators team that just can't throw the football, to be quite frank. This line, to me, on paper, should be much larger than six and a half, but it's not. And that has my spidey senses tingling. Garrett, you responded to uh, Jake Crane, a colleague of ours, on Twitter when he asked, is anyone out there taking Florida outright over Tennessee? You laughed, sent a gif, and I told you, hang on. You haven't read the show notes because I am going to take the Florida Gators to pull off a home victory. Give me the Gators plus the six and a half. I think they keep this very, very close at the least. But for me, this is Florida against Joe Milton. And Joe Milton has not done a single thing to make me feel like he's the guy that he was hyped up to be this year. We've watched him struggle to separate himself at an elite level his entire career. He lost the job at Michigan when he was the next big thing. He lost the job at Tennessee when Hendon Hooker came in. He was kind of given the job this year by default. I know he had to hold off a a very talented five-star true freshman, but still, apples and oranges to me. This is a massive road test that I don't believe we've seen anything that leads me to believe he can pass this. I think the Gators find a way to win this game. Yeah, speaking of your spidey senses there, Mitch, the, the gif was exactly the J. Jonah Jameson laughing and then going, you serious, right? That, that, that was my response to Jay Crane asking, are people really actually thinking about picking Florida in this? And I was like, you've got to be joking me. This, this, look, I understand. But let's kind of back off of the, I'm going to call it Joe Milton slander, okay? I don't think that he's an excellent, fantastic, all-world quarterback like Hennon Hooker was last year. But the guy's completed 66% of his passes, over 400 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, clean sheet there. It's not impressive in terms of the yards per attempt. It's not necessarily anything there. A lot of dinking and dunking, not necessarily pushing the ball as far down the field as they did last year. But, guys, what Tennessee's able to do on the ground is going to be my big key factor here. They got Jalen Wright has 233 yards rushing so far, and Jabari Small with 162 that's good for 9.3 and 6.2 per carry for both of those guys. Uh, I'm big fans of what I think they're going to be able to do uh, on the ground, especially against the Florida team. Let's rewind just a little bit. I don't know if you can remember. This was like the ancient past at this point, but uh, two weeks ago when Florida went to Utah and was clearly not more physical than a Utah team who was missing their starting quarterback and barely beat Baylor last week. Uh, barely struggled to beat the bears who are reeling from texas state and then they didn't have their starting quarterback and it still barely took you know a a no call phantom pi in the end zone for the for the bears to blow that one 
guys, I don't know that Florida is any good at all. I think that Florida's, you know, I've said this a couple times, Florida's stinky at football this year. They're just not very good. They, they, they are not going to be good at football uh, this year. And, and I think that Tennessee, while they're not the team they were last year, and I don't expect them to be the team that they were last year, Mitch, the, the arguments you're making about history, those are the same arguments you could have made last year about why they're not going to beat Alabama. And they went ahead and did it. I think things are changing a little bit there in Tennessee. I think they're a better program than they have been historically. And I think that they're going to go ahead and take care of it. Give me Tennessee minus the six and a half. Big statement win for the Vols this week. I do. I think I lean more with Garrett on this one. I'm going to take Tennessee minus the six and a half. I'm really concerned about Florida's defensive line against Tennessee's offensive line, though. I do think, you know, Tennessee was able to keep it interesting against Austin P for a little bit too long last week for my liking. I know that they were keeping things extremely vanilla though. And Joe Milton's still trying to build chemistry with those wide receivers, especially after, you know, Tillman and uh, Hyatt moved on last year. So he's definitely still trying to build chemistry with the new wide receiver court. And I totally get that. Hopefully things have been ironed out over the first two games, but Joe Milton was really, really good in the first two weeks, uh, just statistically wise. And I'm not as concerned as you are, Mitch, especially in that Virginia game. He looked really, really sharp once he got a couple drives under him. And I think that he's going to have a bit of a coming out party this week. I know, uh, I know the struggles in the swamp. I know that Tennessee, that's just been a house of horrors for them, but I think that they win pretty convincingly this week. Some of you may be saying, well, you were cautiously optimistic on Quinn Ewers last week. You could make, Some severe comparisons there, right? Neither had really had their big you know, statement, go on the road, beat an elite team, do it with a high degree of difficulty. And that's totally fair. I was cautiously optimistic on Quinn. I'm just a little cautious on, on Joe Milton. Now, the thing that really has me believing that there could be more to this than meets the eye is Florida's metrics on defense. Again, just through a couple of games, but they're eighth against the pass, including that Utah game where take away that opening shot down the field that I didn't see in person because Spectrum was warring with ESPN. (laughs) Uh, But take away that, and they really shut down Utah's passing game. Last week they played McNeese, who doesn't have a pulse. 22nd in total rush defense. And again, looking back to that Utah game, Utah Utah couldn't get anything going on the ground, right? So – Garrett, you say that, that Florida got out physical by Utah that then struggled uh, against Baylor. I, I didn't actually see that. I, now, their offense couldn't get anything going. That'll give you. But as far as defensively matching up against a tenacious offensive and defensive line in Utah, they competed fairly well. Tennessee's breaking in an entirely new left side of their offensive line. And I'm hoping that Florida finds a way to scheme and take advantage of that to get Joe Milton off of his spot to do something that Florida has been really good at doing when their defense is elite. That's disguising coverages. That's bringing blitzes from all over the place. Them and Georgia, to me, have a very similar defensive blueprint where blitzes come from both sides of the field. They drop, you know, they'll drop six into coverage one play. They'll, They'll put their corners on islands. I'm so curious to see how they match up with Joe Milton's rocket of an arm, I think they're going to be able to stop the ground game. So then for me, it becomes Joe Milton against that secondary. Um, call it a, call it spotty senses. I don't, I don't know where that feeling came from, but I started doing the research and thought, mm, this feels like a trap game for Tennessee. This feels like a result that we're waking up Sunday morning and going, wow, how about that? Florida actually pulled it off. So I'll ride with the Gators plus the number. Another SEC team that needs to make a statement, that is number 10 Alabama. Boy, last week did not go well uh, for the Crimson Tide. They are 32-point favorites at South Florida, 2.30 p.m. kick on ABC. Garrett, does Alabama get back on the warpath? Because for me, I would not want to be the next team facing Nick Saban after a loss. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a a brutal day to be a fan of USF. There's just no way around it. Um, look, I, I think that the big thing with Alabama right now is they just need to find their identity on offense. They, they don't know who they are offensively right now. Um, and they're going to get a chance to figure that out this weekend. Um, they're going to be able to play some people, try some stuff out. Um, and I think that they're going to be okay. If you look at some of the rushing stats, I pulled them up. Their leading rusher right now with 92 yards is Jalen Milrow. They don't have a hundred yard rusher on the season yet. 
Um, they got Jace McClellan with 84. Roydell Williams has 48 and a bunch of other like also rans in the, in the, you know, minuscule numbers. Their total scrimmage yardage leader right now, outside of obviously the, the quarterback, Jermaine Burton with 120 scrimmage yards. That, that ain't going to get it done. 60 yards per game currently for an Alabama offensive skill player being your best guy. That just ain't going to cut it. And so I think that this is a, a get back on track game for them. Um, I think that obviously, you know, you, you said number 10 Alabama and it just didn't sound right in my ear. You know, I was like, oh, I think you said number two Alabama, right? No, number 10. I'm sure I'm sure they're handling things great in Tuscaloosa right now. I'm sure it was another happy-go-lucky week at practice with Nick Saban looking at that double-digit number next to their name. So, um, look, I think it's a it's a bad weekend to be a fan of USF. Um, it might be even worse to be on the field with them. I'm going to take Bama minus the 32. You give me Bama minus a whole bunch more than 32, and I still think I'd take them. I don't think it's going to be close. Can we just step back and appreciate how weird this game is that Alabama's playing at USF? I don't know how this got scheduled, maybe for recruiting purposes down in Florida. They couldn't get Miami on the schedule, maybe, so they just settled for USF. So, I don't know. This is a weird, weird game, but I think Alabama handles it very, very easily. They're going to get an opportunity to see multiple quarterbacks in this game, I think. Milrow's probably going to run for about 200 in the first half. In the second half, they're going to put in a couple different guys and see what they got. And I think that's going to be very, very important for Alabama uh, to see what they have because I think that they saw that Milrow wasn't it. They want to give him all the shots they can, but I think we should, we'll probably be seeing a new quarterback relatively soon for Alabama if things don't drastically turn around. What's so concerning is that nobody else in that room was able to to win that job, right? I mean, Big Milrow has... Flag. Yeah, Milrow, bless his heart, he is just not a very good quarterback right now. Um, He's a great athlete, but he's not a very good quarterback right now. And the fact that Tyler Buckner couldn't beat him out coming over from Notre Dame, I mean, dude, he's running your system, right, that you ran with Tommy Reese. Like, you should know, you should have the inside track to winning this, and he couldn't do it. So I agree. I think we're going to see a couple different quarterbacks. I think Alabama is just going to be way too physical for South Florida. I, I really think Alex Golish is going to turn South Florida around, former offensive line coach at Tennessee. He is going to make a physical unit, I believe, down there in Tampa, but it's not not this week, not against the Crimson Tide. I'll take Alabama minus the number as well. Uh, a game that in years past would not have been anywhere close to our run sheet, fellas. I think this is a celebration of life. When we talk about Virginia Tech at Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, given the six and the hook, 2.30 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Fellas, lock me up. Rutgers minus the six and a half. Their defense is very, very solid. I, I wrote about this in their preseason preview. I like what they're doing on defense. And Gavin Wimstat, Kyle Monagai, they're moving the football right now. Kyle Monagai is running for five plus yards of tote right now. Wimstad's not a, an X factor throwing the ball through the air, but he's done a nice job. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, listen, Grant Wells can throw four touchdowns. He can throw four picks in a game. I don't, I don't trust Virginia Tech going on the road to a Rutgers team that is finally feeling like, after all these years of monotony, they are building towards something. And bowl contention is absolutely in the cards for Rutgers this year. Give me the Scarlet Knights minus the number. I I really like Rutgers. I think this is going to be a little bit of a statement game for them this week. It could be, and I wouldn't be surprised because that defense has been legit. Seven points a game. I don't care who you're playing. If it's Northwestern and Simple, only giving up seven points a game is a really, really nice statistic. I wouldn't touch this line with a 10-foot pole because I just don't know what Virginia Tech is. They looked really surprisingly good I would say against Old Dominion week one and then last week they kind of pooped the bed a little bit at home against Purdue a Purdue team that desperately needed a win but that game took like 12 hours to complete with all the rain delays so I don't know how you try to find rhythm offensively when you have to keep stopping and starting like that I know a ton of teams were dealing with that some dealt with it better than others but I think that's the last thing a Virginia Tech team that's trying to find some traction needs so I don't know. Rutgers at home, I think that's definitely a a nice advantage for them. 
I, I'm not touching this line at all. If you forced me to pick, I think I would go with Rutgers, but I really wouldn't put any any form of actual money on this game. I would take the under, though. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say kind of the same thing, Trey. I'm just trying to figure out who Virginia Tech is right now. I think that they're still kind of getting their season started. Uh, that's something to, I think, worry about a little bit. So um, I, I'm, I would – be tempted to go Virginia Tech right now, but I think it would hurt Mitch's feelings too much if I picked him. So I'm going to go with Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to take them as well and and kind of cap off a nice little story up there uh, for for the uh, for for the Rutgers uh, squad up there. Guys, number eight, Washington. The Huskies are on the road in East Lansing. What formerly I think when this home and home was scheduled was supposed to be a really fun non-conference matchup. It has turned into anything but. The Huskies are 16.5-point favorites. Michigan State is at the center of a couple of different scandals. Uh, Mel Tucker is suspended, I believe. Um, it seems like maybe he might be fired, but then again, that's a whole another can of worms that I really don't want to jump into right now. It's a 4 p.m. Uh, game on the Peacock Network if you care to tune in. Garrett, I think Washington might hang 50-plus on Sparty. I, you know, Cornered animal syndrome is very real, but I think you got to be somewhat plucky. You got to have something that you do well for that cornered animal syndrome to kick in. And I don't even know if it matters if it does, because Michigan State, I don't think, is going to be able to stop Washington. Uh, I, I think my Bolitnikoff campaign for Roma Duze uh, keeps keeps rolling right along. I'm going to take the Huskies minus the number here. I think they're favored for three scores by uh, by three scores for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty optimistic for the Spartans. You think they can hold them to just 50. Uh, I, think, I think this is going to be a bit of a disaster in uh, East Lansing. I, the situation, the the controversy right now, obviously, is going to taint what the game is and what the game kind of was supposed to be. And I know a couple years ago when Michigan State was really good, this is probably one that we were all looking forward to. And now that it's relegated to Peacock, and, you know, hoping that you have that service and you're not just catching office reruns or something there. Um, it, it's going to be a tough day. So I, I think this one screams Washington to me. Uh, you could give me just about whatever you want to, and I'd still probably pick Washington in this one. Huge day coming in to kind of pad the stats for Michael Penix Jr. and uh, the, the rest of the crew. It'll be interesting to compare who gets more uh, airtime on Peacock on Saturday, Michael Penix or Michael Scott. We don't know, but I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. When you look at the situation, it is easy to say this is a textbook cornered animal situation with Michigan State, you know, backs against the wall, no one believing in them, all this controversy, and the team rallies together and does something really special. But just the specifics of this particular situation, which I know we said we didn't want to get into, I won't get into the specifics, but just the back and forth that it's taken everybody through. I'm sure the locker room itself is divided between guys that support Mel Tucker and guys that really don't support Mel Tucker in this situation, guys that believe him, guys that don't believe him. This is just a weird, weird, weird all around situation. Add in the fact that just as a university, Michigan State is probably really apprehensive about supporting this football program right now. I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Spartans showing up and doing anything of consequence this week. I would take Washington almost minus almost any number this week, and I think Michael Penix is going to keep that Heisman campaign rolling. Guys, remember in the preseason when I said that Oklahoma State should be keeping a wary eye towards what's going on in South Alabama. The Jaguars were a preseason group of five favorite, maybe a New, Year's, a New Year's Six bowl game dark horse, and then they got steamrolled by Tulane. Well, Oklahoma State is 2-0, and but boy, it is a shaky 2-0. and They beat Central Arkansas in unconvincing fashion. They kind of hung on and pulled away late against Arizona State. I appreciate them trying to keep my West Coast parlay alive. Um, hate you, Auburn, for blowing that late. But Oklahoma State rolls into this game, 6 p.m. ESPN+. Plus, Seven-point favorites. Now, I looked into the stats, guys, and South Alabama does not do anything particularly well. They're in the, between the 80s and the 90s when it comes to scoring offense, total defense. They just don't do anything at an elite level like they did last year on defense. 
They were one of the small best sample defenses. Size. Small sample size. Small sample size. Small sample size. But still, uh, it's not been quite the the coming out party that I anticipated it might be for South Alabama when I predicted them to beat Tulane. Still, Oklahoma State does not have a secure quarterback room. Uh, and that offense has not been the explosive, plucky-looking poke offense that I thought it would have to be in order for them to succeed. Now, I don't know that South Alabama wins this game, but I am going to take the Jags on the road, a group of five team trying to prove a point on Saturday night. I don't know where Oklahoma State has the horses to pull away convincingly as of right now. Give me the Jags getting back to their defensive ways and keeping this a low-scoring ballgame. Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned about South Alabama in this one. I was with you in the offseason, but they really struggled on their Louisiana twofer to open the season. Obviously, we know about what happened at Tulane. They bounced back in an okay way last week against Southeastern Louisiana, but uh, not really a convincing one. 35-17, not really super convincing what you want to see going into this big Oklahoma State matchup. But like you said, Mitch, Oklahoma State hasn't exactly been convincing either, albeit against better competition. So I'm going to lean South Alabama. I think they're going to be more fired up for this one. Oklahoma State's probably looking ahead to their Big 12 slate starting next week. South Alabama might sneak up and get them. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with the hot take. Uh, I'm going to pick South Alabama to win this game. I think Oklahoma State has looked terrible this year. Super, super disappointed with what the Cowpokes put on there. And I think they're just distracted. seems like things have been going really, really poorly since about the last quarter of last season and on. It seems like they're distracted. I don't think Mike Gundy's 100% on it. I know things kind of boiled over with some tension in the bowl game as well. Um, and I, I just I think that, you know, this is a, it's a bad spot for Oklahoma state right now against the South Alabama team that, yeah, they had a rough, you know, kind of first little bit, but if you look at the the rushing stats from last year that or last, uh, last week, they only gave up 62 yards on the ground last week on 26 attempts. They did give up a bunch through the air, but being able to stop the run, I think is going to be what you have to do when you're getting on the road. Oklahoma state hasn't been particularly convincing. I don't think running the football so far. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm just not optimistic that they're going to be able to do very much. So, um, you know, it's minus seven, you get it at home. Cool. That's fun. This just kind of feels like the game that's supposed to be the upset on Saturday. You know, when, when you're looking across the, the sleepy slate and you're trying to say, well, what's going to be interesting? Surely not everything is going to go chalk. I think this is the one where you're supposed to go, wait, South Alabama beat Oklahoma state at their house. I think that's going to be how that ends up going. So give me South Alabama. I'm going to pick the upset for this one. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have work emails uh, Monday morning from from folks that I know listen to this podcast. They're gonna go, "What on earth are you predicting?" Look, but, my my sister goes to Oklahoma State. I watch enough of their games. She's not feeling good about this one either. So, <laughs> <laughs> guys, a couple other games to kind of sniff around here. Uh, the backyard brawl, boy. Last year we could not wait for the backyard brawl to get on our TVs. It launched uh, the 2022 season. It was a fantastic game this year it does potentially neither of those things Pitt is a one point favorite on the road this is a 6 30 p.m kick on abc um i really don't have a leaning either way right like pat narduzzi is known for defense he's known for tough hard-nosed football phil jerkovic's his quarterback though and i don't know that i trust this offense they guys guys i, I got a little bit of slander for my uh, cincinnati hype this offseason for my Cincinnati support. And lo and behold, they went and beat the Pitt Panthers last week. West Virginia beat Duquesne. Uh, they struggled to, to get out of the starting gates, but then eventually buried them. Jared Green's been fine offensively for West Virginia. The, the defense, though, against Power 5 opponents, I'm really concerned about. My my gut reaction is to lean the home team here, especially when it's essentially a pick em. But guys, a, a wise man once said, you don't get rich backing Neil Brown. And um, that's a that's a life motto that I live by. So give me Pitt on the road here, minus the point. Guys, this is going to be a Neil Brown legacy game. I, I've been beating the drum <laughs> that Neil Brown is going to do some crazy stuff this year. You thought that it was good when he almost covered against Penn State. Guys, just wait. I, Nobody I don't thought that was good. Penny. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
I don't know what he's planning to pull out for the the backyard brawl at home when his back's against the wall, but it's going to be just insane. I don't know how, I don't know why, but West Virginia wins this game at home. They're going to be singing Country Roads on Saturday night. Yeah, man, I agree. Legacy game, but it's because they're going to lose in embarrassing fashion at home, and that's <laughs> going to cement his legacy there at West Virginia. So I just, look, I, I think I'm going to pick Pitt here. Um, I don't really like either team, but I do trust, you know, Pitt, the half team right now over West Virginia, the zero team or the, the you know, 1% team because your quarterback's actually pretty good. But I, I don't know. I'm going to go with Pitt right now. And, and it's just kind of a gross game. I don't really feel fantastic about even picking this game because I think it's going to be some ugly, ugly, ugly football. I would Guys, love. Djokovic threw the ball 32 times last week. Uh-huh. Do you guys know how many he completed of those 32? Probably not less a whole bunch. Less than 50%, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, he completed 10 of 32 passes last week against Cincinnati. Oh. Uh, and of those oh, 10 completions, it was about 18 yards or uh, um, about 10 yards of completion. So it, it was not a good yeah. outing for Phil Chikovic. No, Cincinnati's defense had them in knots last week. Um I do wonder, depending on after this game, we might have to hold a quorum and, and vote. Do we change cornered animal syndrome to Neil Brown syndrome, depending on <laughs> I like it. this game? Yeah. If he wins, uh, I, I'll, I'll say it. If he wins, it, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to cornered it. animal, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll table that for next week for the, uh, for the recap. Uh, guys, Army at UTSA. This is the third ever meeting on Friday night, 6 p.m. ESPN is where you can find this. The road team has won both previous matchups army is going to the dome i saw a great tweet asking uh, members of the utsa rotc program who on earth they were supposed to back where their uh, their loyalties lie here utsa is nine point favorites guys army army can score some points now they may do it unconventionally but they can score some points I just I'm I'm fading UTSA a little bit more by the week. I did take them to obviously to beat Texas State. They did that, but nine points on a Friday night playing Army. I don't know that I want to give you multiple scores. Give me the Black Knights to cover that spread. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you there, Mitch. I'm gonna take uh, you know them to to cover the spread. It, it's I think UTSA wins, but I I think Army's gonna. Cover spread, they're going to score enough points. UTSA has been less than impressive, to say the least. I think they need to get right. It's not going to be now. Um, so, yeah, give me Army to cover, and um, we'll, we'll move on from that. This was a wild, wild game that went to overtime last year at West Point. It was 41-38 UTSA as a final. I think it's a close one again. I'm taking Army plus the nine as well. Uh, last three games here, um, tell me, we've got two SEC teams uh, to to work through. Ole Miss, 20-point favorites, uh, hosting Georgia Tech on Saturday night on ESPN. If you want to go over to ESPN 2 at the same time, you'll find Arkansas hosting BYU. Anything stand out uh, to you guys in this game, Garrett? I mean, you know, Ole Miss pulled away a little bit against Tulane, but that that game was a one-score affair up until a, a fumble and a scoop and score for the Ole Miss Rebs. Arkansas never really pulled away from Kent State last week. Uh, you know, which way are you leaning on these games? Yeah, I think looking at Ole Miss, I've been really impressed with their ability to pass the ball this year, right? I think I've been a lot more impressed with Jackson Dart being able to be an effective passer, definitely surpassing his performance from last year, doing a lot better uh, this year with that. And, and I think possibly by necessity, right? A lot of defenses have been giving them stacked boxes saying Quinshawn Judkins is not going to beat me this year. And that's fair. You got to play that game. I think that's going to be how Georgia Tech tries to line up. I think they're going to try to say we're going to stop the run. And I don't think they quite have the talent on the back end to stop them. I think Georgia Tech can kind of keep up in this game, but I am going to pick Ole Miss to win, not by 20, not by 20. I'm going to pick Georgia Tech to cover the Ole Miss victory, comfortable victory. Give me 14 points, something like that. Uh, BYU at Arkansas. I'm going to take Arkansas to cover this. I think, you know, BYU is just booty butt right now. They're just terrible. Um, and I'm, I'm going with Arkansas. I don't think they're necessarily as good as a lot of people are picking them to be right now, um, but they are better than BYU. And I think this game at home, in front of the fans, kind of get a fun, 
environment out there, a team you don't normally play. So, yeah, give me Arkansas minus the nine and a half to win comfortably as well. Yeah, I think both the SEC teams win comfortably as well. Um, I'm actually going to take Ole Miss to cover late. I think they pull away late against Georgia Tech. And Arkansas, look, we saw it last year when these two teams met in Provo. I was worried about the altitude. I was worried about the road situation for Arkansas, and Arkansas just ran up and down that field on the Cougars. Just a different caliber of athlete for Ole Miss and Arkansas when compared to Georgia Tech and BYU right now. So I'll take both of those teams to cover at home. Surprising, considering BYU's just hosting a squad full of 28-year-olds. But I'm also going to take the SEC teams to cover. Ole Miss, I think, pulls away. They can do it late. They can do it in the second quarter. Georgia Tech's plucky, uh, but uh, but I do like the Rebs' offense. And then, yeah, Arkansas. I don't know if BYU is going to score. I don't think Arkansas is a great team this year. I made that very clear in the preseason predictions, but BYU's offense is lethargic at best going on the road. I, I just don't know. Arkansas can take the, the air out of the ball with Rocket Sanders, giving the Hogs to cover that. Do we know if he's I'm, healthy? I know he didn't play last week against Middle Tennessee. but I I think there's a chance that that he plays, um, but uh, I don't actually know if he if he is playing. So maybe put a little asterisk um, an asterisk by that. I haven't seen something that said he is or is not playing. I just kind of assumed he would be back, but um, I guess we'll wait and see. Final uh, game. Just looked it up. He will not be playing. He will not be playing. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I still think Arkansas can take the air out of on SI, He will not be playing against BYU. Okay. That see that's the problem with all of Arkansas's great players. Like they just can't stay healthy. Um, and that was one of the things that we, we highlighted in the preseason. So um, I still will take Arkansas minus the points. Um, their, their defense is good enough. TCU seven point favorites on the road, big 12 opener for Houston. Apologies. If you watch the ledger, listen, uh, a lot of moving parts and pieces. All right. I, I get it. You're in the big boys leagues now, although Dana Holgerson is not coaching like it, uh, but Houston seven points. Uh, dogs at home, 7 p.m. kick on Fox. I made the comment in the ledger, we don't know what TCU is. We know that Houston's offense is going to score, but can their defense come to play? They lost against Rice last week, uh, a notorious offensive powerhouse. For some reason, I'm more inclined to say the home dog here in a rivalry game keeps this close enough. I don't know if Houston's going to win this outright or not, It'll come down. It might come down to a defensive stand. But seven points at home. Give me the dog here. I'll take the Cougars in a bounce back effort. Do, do we know Houston's going to score points? Because through the first two weeks of the season, I, I don't know that that's necessarily been how I would describe their offensive effort. They they're sitting at seven points going into the fourth quarter against Rice last week before furiously and rallying. And they, they did. Scored. They did. They got to 28 in regulation uh, and double overtime got them to 41. But listen, I I think TCU is going to boat race Houston. I, I know the emotion involved in the first home game for Houston. That's a huge, huge deal for that program. We finally be back playing power conference football. I think TCU is going to boat race them. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. And TCU is better than what they showed defensively against uh, Colorado. They just got blitzkrieged against Colorado. I think they show more true colors of who they are this Saturday against Houston. Yeah, I think the TCU-Colorado game was truly just a shock. They had to go out there against Colorado with no tape on film whatsoever. They had no idea what they were going to be running. They got kind of surprised in a couple of spots. The surprise turnovers that shifted momentum wildly. And they were still in that game and controlling it at times. So you know, I, I think TCU – I'm going to take TCU to boat race Houston again. Uh, I think that this is going to be a, a good bounce back, good statement for that team from the eight one seven. So we're gonna we're gonna hold it down with my guys over here on this side of the Metroplex. Give me the Horn Frogs. Give me a whole bunch of points, and and let's take out Houston and come back home with a dub. Trey, what what do we say about about college football? Even when the slate's missing a bunch of little numbers next to names, all football is good football. Amen. And that'll be put to the test here in week three. Thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you're a new subscriber, a new uh, viewer on YouTube, a new listener over on Spotify, Apple, we're happy to have you. Check out uh, our affiliate over the Transfer Portal, CFB. Check out all the coverage that they've got going on on game days. 
Visit homefieldapparel.com. Use our code 3TECHPOD for 15% off if you're a new buyer. Uh, and uh, yeah, just enjoy a college football weekend. We're excited for it. All football is good football, and we plan to enjoy it right here on the 3 Technique. Make sure you tune in Sunday morning. You'll have your uh, recap up and ready to go there, and we will keep marching along as college football season just gets better and better. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?